Hey everyone, Sam here. Sorry to jump in for a profoundly long talk at the top of machine learning, but there's a lot to say right now. First off, Jeff and I are going to be on the Zone of Truth over at the Hideous Laughter Productions feed on February 27th. We'll be talking about Iron Gods, gaming in general, Hope Finder, whatever comes up, and it should be a good time. And speaking of Hope Finder, part one of our Hope Finder actual play, narrated by Jason Bowman himself, is going to be live on the Roll for Combat YouTube channel as part of Third Party Con Today, February 19th at 2 p.m. Eastern, so if you're listening to this right when it comes out, in about two hours. We had an absolute blast playing with Jason, and I think we did a pretty good job of actually demonstrating what makes Hope Finder a Pathfinder 2E modern zombie horror hack, a unique experience, and a very fun system to add to your repertoire. The video of our session, along with part two, will be available on demand on Jason Bowman's channel a week after the con is over, and then we're going to have both parts on our podcast feed in two weeks or so as the next Jimmy Fame Presents bonus game, so keep an eye out for those. Speaking of Jimmy Fame Presents Bonus Against Machine, more pod for your bod, sponsored by Charlie the Lizard Folks, Chicken Emporium, more cluck for your buck, I want to talk for a little bit about the Network Against the Machine Patreon slash Ko-Fi and how we're changing it for the better. See, last year we hit a couple of big fundraising goals, attaining self-sufficiency for our podcast expenses and opening up the aforementioned bonus games, which have really rattled some peanuts. Uh, this year we're going to turn things up a bit, uh, which basically means more benefits, more reasons to support the pod and the network that fights against machines so you don't have to. Though, I mean... You still have to fight against the machines, probably, but that's for later when the revolution comes. In the meantime, fun podcast stuff. So we want to make sure that we're providing value to those of you who are willing and able to support us on a month-to-month basis. But we also want to make sure that we're not unduly locking people out of content that they might enjoy because of their economic circumstances. There's a needle to thread here, and we're always open to hearing feedback on how we're doing with it. Ultimately, we just want to entertain people with this stuff. Uh, So I'm going to go through this tier by tier with the changes because that's the easiest way to convey all the stuff that's changing. Uh, At the $2 Glockite tier, uh, when you join this, you already get access to original music on our crowdfunding sites, those like the Pod Against the Machine theme and the various um, battle musics that Zach has made. Maybe a couple other things here and there, but mostly these are original compositions by our own Zach. Uh, Plus, you get Discord role access and access to Secret Channel. Uh, But now you're also going to get a thank you on our website. You know, it should be thank you for supporting us. But the biggest change coming to this tier is that we're going to add a Patreon podcast feed. And it's going to be available to everyone who supports us starting at this tier. What's going to be on this feed, you ask? The Story Machine. We're going to start releasing a story machine on this feed every month, starting with our first multi-part story, Foul and Fair, beginning at the end of March. We're going to have a new crowdfunding goal uh, to up the rate of release to every other week in the future. But if you can't afford to join in our crowdfunding, don't fret. We don't want to lock you out of these stories. Uh, Transcripts of them, or, you know, just regular fiction, are going to be available on our website the $5 adamantine tier, you get all the existing benefits, you get the Glaukite benefits, you know, the amazing Brian Identity RPG Maker 2003 maps, uh, and then the new benefit is that you're going to get a chance to name characters and places in the new story machine or arcs and or GooTube flavors. So here's how this is going to work. For the first part of Fallon Fair, for instance, we have eight character slots and three places up to name. 
uh, have a PC name that you'd like to see immortalized in audio and text form, or a brilliant idea for a tavern, a shop, that sort of thing. Well, if you're at the adamantine tier and above, you can send it to us um, via Discord, via email, with the Patreon messaging thing, however it works for you. Uh, we're going to work as many of these names as we can into these stories, and when they appear, you get credit in the show notes, in, in the transcript, and the audio credits. So... If you'd rather throw us an absurd flavor combination to upset Izzy with, you can send those in as well um, for goo tubes, and I'm sure we will find a way to work those in. Uh, for some reason, those tasty, goopy containers just keep coming up. Now, for the $10 Jesuit tier, you get all the stuff listed before this, plus the Sky Metal dedications. Um, we always need more of those. The more dedications we have, the more Sky Metals the cast can get, and the less likely Alvin's insides melt because his fortitude saves are like minus one. Just as a for instance. And there's a mea culpa due to the people in this tier. We promised you an out loud, personalized expression of gratitude on machine learning, and those have 100% never ever happened. So we're going to have to start having those. And I have no idea how we got through a literal year without doing them, but I assume it's just because my brain doesn't work very well. I'm very sorry about that, and we are going to rectify it starting on the next machine learning. Uh, so number 16. Isn't that fun how I didn't just do it now? There's so much awkward silence here right now. I'm assuming that you're responding and reassuring me that everything's okay. As far as actually new instead of not supposed to be new stuff, we're adding ebooks to this tier. We're going to share with you an ebook and or PDF version of the Brian Identity Adventures so you'll have everything you need to run them in your home, ga home game or on your podcast or what have you. And ebooks and or PDF versions of our story machine stories, or some of them. In that case, once part one of Foul and Fair is all up on the audio feed and all the transcripts are up on the website, we're going to compile it into a reflowable ebook that you can run on your Kindle or Nook or whatever, and a PDF that you can look at on a normal screen. Uh, compiling the adventures for Brian is going to take a little while to get started since we have to, you know, learn how to make a nice looking adventure PDF. Now onto the $20 Sycotite tier, you know the drill by now, all the lower tier benefits plus the existing benefit of a discount code for, for the merch store, a new code for 2023, along with new merch is coming soon. And then the new stuff. If you're supporting us this hard, we want to make sure to put a physical benefit in your hands, so we're going to send you stickers. The Book 1 stickers are already out in the wild, so you'll already get all four of those. The Book 2 stickers we've been showing on social media lately, you're going to get all four of those. Book 3 will have a series of stickers by the time it's finished, and those will come to you in good time. We'll also send you theoretical bonus stickers and other extras, things like the Dapple sticker that we made for episode 100. And finally, the Oracalcum tier. Um, hey! You're still here. Hello. Thanks for sticking with me for seven and a half minutes of non-stop talking. It feels longer. All the other benefits apply here, both old and new, plus the game with some portion of the cast, but we're going to add to that. Twice a year, you're going to get free exclusive physical rewards. The idea is that we're going to generate special edition t-shirts with art or drawings or hilarious in-jokes that no one will get but you. Uh, printed on a shirt or other article of clothing sent your way, or a printed limited edition story machine paperback books. We're going to send those to you uh, twice a year. Uh, so you're going to have physical rewards that 
basically physically don't exist outside of this tier. So that's the whole thing for the time being. We hope you'll consider joining one of our crowdfunding thingies or upgrading your membership if you're already on there. And let us know what you think of the new rewards and anything we might be able to do better. Uh, we're not far from our next goal, at which point we can lift our website, the slowest thing in the history of the internet, off of an old GeoCities server that Jeff found in a dumpster and onto some kind of platform that can actually handle, you know, the web traffic. After that, we have a goal in a couple hundred bucks to be able to afford to pay someone to transcript our backlog of Pot Against the Machine episodes. Now, that's a huge project now that we have over 100 eps but it's one that we're really committed to and we know we can't handle it by ourselves. And it's one of the first things that we brought up when we started this podcast was that we wanted to make the show as accessible as we could make it. And transcripts are a huge part of that and opening it up for people with uh, hearing difficulties or audio processing difficulties. I mean, also people who just like to read or read the podcast transcripts. In addition, we're adding another goal on the far end of that. I don't have the amount in front of me, or I don't know that it's necessarily exactly set yet. But uh, once we hit this next stretch goal, um, we're going to be able to bump up the rate of releases to the Story Machine to every two weeks. Twice as much Story Machine for your money. That'll be fun for me, at least, to get a lot of writing out there in audio format, because I have so many stories to tell and an addiction to writing and um you're all gonna help me feed that addiction so sorry for the length of this explainer like i said there was a whole lot to say here uh too long didn't listen we're making more stuff than ever before thanks to all of you for helping us get there and it's only going to get better from here uh thanks for listening and welcome to machine learning a pod about the machine from Pod Against the Machine, the only podcast with a supplementary podcast with a 25-word title. Hello, Scrappers. Welcome back to Machine Learning, a pod about the machine from Pod Against the Machine, the only podcast with a supplementary podcast with a 25-word title. Woo! Wow. You I did am. it. And this isn't one of those <laughs> fancy edits where I got it on the third try because we always leave in the first two mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my background toddler is uh, like peak operating capacity, but I am your host, Jeff, for better and for worse. And we find ourselves, no time has passed. I mean, we were just talking about episodes ending in 65, so of course we're picking right up where we left off mere moments ago with episode 66, Ocular Pat Down. Now... I'm sure you all remember what happened because it just did, but of course. As a as a fresh recap of this particular episode, there were some ghosts, there was a spaceship, and there were ghosts on the spaceship. There was loud chanting, crazy haunt type thing, and uh 
what felt like a mini boss fight with uh, the only one who could ever reach me was a purple grim reaper man and <laughs> we uh, found an artifact another one a memory facet even yeah any any fun or other adjective appropriate thoughts on episode 66 of people who are with me and I previously introduced Jero and <laughs> Sam yeah having been previously introduced I uh, Jero voice of Vargas would say uh, this was an interesting one because after uh, getting beat up by ghosts for a while we got uh, a little bit of lore which was kind of cool it's always neat to get a little bit of uh, just kind of backstory of what's going on and uh, as you mentioned like crazy grim reaper ghost we discovered was the uh, captain of whatever crashed underneath the arena here and he had uh, some interesting little bits of stuff I think he talked it talked about uh, was his the one that mentioned did it mention unity it mentioned divinity is lost divinity yes that's yeah. what it mentioned and i think that that was probably the first time that divinity has come up mm -hmm. and then also i mean you got the, like after the killing the wraith everybody got that vision of basically being in like some kind of horrible crash which is always fun yeah to have we a... saw that that's the yeah that haunt that he mentioned of like the crash happening always fun to have a group hallucination yeah, it's one of those things like these are people where like like heavier than air flight doesn't really exist. I think like the Atlantis or the Thessalonians maybe had some stuff, but for like thousands of years that hasn't been a thing. So to have these like there's no way our characters even had any idea what that was visions of like the idea of like electronics exploding and falling out of the sky and that kind of like. It's interesting to try to think how they're processing that, what they're comparing it to from what they know. Yeah, it was definitely one of those places to where when we started heading off towards the haunted Ghost Canyon, we're like, maybe we'll find some Silex, I guess. Hopefully there's something there that's useful. And, you know, surely, I mean, we don't know yet in episode 66 if, if what we found will be useful in the future, but... After finding all of these semi-useless grenades, finally getting a grenade launcher and mm. the USB stick with the virus on it, essentially. <laughs> That's 66 right there. We from there move on to 67. Small daddies approach the meat. <laughs> One of our most normal titles ever. Really normal number of title words. And this is the episode where we return to the Clockwork Chapel Asked in via, hey, what do you know about this USB stick? We're only used to zip disks. It's pretty new to us. This crazy technology. And she rolls really well and identifies it for us. Thanks, Denvaya. And as usual, the party decides to take a rest and nothing bad happens. Except this time, we're ambushed in our sleep by a bunch of dark creeper, dark stalker, <laughs> whole situation. And... Yeah. What do we expect the very capable four would do in this situation? We kill everybody? No. <laughs> we kill almost everybody, force Sam <laughs> to name a prisoner, and have a interrogation with him. 
because it's kind of our brand. And then lock him in a closet. <laughs> this was a very book two thing where every enemy group, yeah. you got to keep one alive and yeah. force them to become a recurring NPC. Though this one didn't really have as long a life as Heath or I don't even remember its name. This dark. Yumpak? Yumpak. Yumpak, yeah. Yeah. It was also a uh, fun one because it was. I always love when there's like a mechanic that the characters aren't prepared for. Out of story, it's out of character, like it's stressful to play, but like listening back to it later, and I imagine for nights, it's like, well, how are they going to get out of this one? None of them can see in magical darkness. Like they're all getting <laughs> ambushed in their sleep. So there's no armor, there's no weapons, there's like, what do you do and it was a fun fight because of that yeah and we were at a point in the book where i mean you guys were walking all over the normal encounters and these guys mm -hmm. were nothing special cr wise but they have the advantage of the sneak in and the fact that you can't see and they all have seen darkness so it was a fun little twist and they they did some real damage somebody yeah. went down i think Probably. We remember because it just happened, but yeah. yeah. But we just kind of want to encourage you to re-listen. That is clearly what happened. I know that you throw death throws in the mix and everything gets a lot more interesting mm -hmm. when there's enough kind of close quarters stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But other than being a closet friend, we did get some information out of old Yumpak. We learned about, we, we first heard the name Lady Tatterface. And we first heard about yes. the Blood Ghost. Yeah, these were both new characters. Like, we had heard a little bit about some of the uh, lieutenants serving under Hellion, but this was the first mention of either of those two names. And they are both, uh, they were both some pretty heavy names to hear, especially when you compare it to other stuff that was like Kulgara, which, you know, it's a strong sounding name, but it's a name. These were like, titles which that make that kind of gives you a pause it's like oh these people these guys have titles <laughs> these are wwf wrestlers not just thugs on the street yeah. oh yeah They're intercontinental champion blood ghost mm -hmm. and uh light heavyweight champion lady tatterface oh no see i was gonna guess they were uh tag team champions uh, only sometimes when the tag team division's hurting for talent i think <laughs> You know, why two blood ghosts kind of laying down the heat? Tatter factor. Nice. So we asked old Yumpak, is there uh, any other way in to your cool, cool, friendly, dark territory? We'd love to come and visit, maybe kill Hellion. Probably not kill Hellion, but maybe. He said, nah, the only way in is through the front door. And uh, we took him up on that in... Episode 68, Love a Good Schlorp. I will say one more thing that I just uh, always knew and didn't immediately and didn't remember when you said it because this is taking place immediately after the episodes. We also learned from him that the Dark Stalkers and the, uh, what were the bigger ones? The uh, Dark Creepers. Well, Creepers were the little guys, Stalkers are the big guys. Oh, Creepers are the little ones, Stalkers are the big ones, yes. And then there's another one, a third one, that's the best one. I don't remember, because <laughs> it was too recent. Yeah, we did uh, learn from him that they kind of weren't 
And I think we learned it about them, and we learned it about, I think they mentioned the Thralls, too, the same thing, that they originally were servants of this blood ghost, and for the most part, none of them could care less one way or the other about Hellion. They were basically serving him because the blood ghost was serving him, which was kind of an interesting thing to learn. Yeah, no, yeah, she... Yumpak told us that, you know, Lady Tatterface answers to the Blood Ghost. The Blood Ghost had always been there. He's a god. That's all we had to go on. I thought, okay, this is interesting. I kind of assume that in Hellion's HQ, everyone there is on hashtag Team Hellion. And we were mm. wrong. Yeah, because I remember even asking him, like, so is the Blood Ghost Hellion? Like, is that your name for him? He's like, oh, no, Blood Ghost has always been there. Hellion's new. And all of us just trying to figure out, like, what is this thing? Hellion was just a baby. Just a baby god. <laughs> and, like always, the very capable Ford just wanted to kind of swaddle a baby and make sure that he was well cared for. That's the long-established tradition of yeah. liking babies. Yeah. And the NICU, mm -hmm. which of course stands for Numerian Intensive Care Unit. But in 68... We, we loved a good schlorp, and we did decide to explore kind of the ins and outs of the Beneath the Arena. I have two lines of notes for this particular episode. <laughs> I know that there was a mistake in that somebody touched a thing. We're not going to name any names, but a certain half-orc lost all of her intelligence for the most part and we just kind of pointed her and her chainsaw into whatever direction needed to be chainsawed <laughs> and uh hellion we seemed like we kind of got under his skin he was like hey you get away from here you guys you dumb grown-ups i'm a baby and this is my <laughs> baby house but yeah i mean i think Hellion was getting kind of sick of everybody being so mean to him because you guys were really bullying the evil god a lot and um, he was starting to feel bad, man. Was this the one where Asher like pink misted a guy with a grenade launcher when we came back? Oh, this was the one where as we approached <laughs> and there were four or five guards. I remember the exact number since yeah. it just happened and what a perfect opportunity to test out the grenade launcher, and just... Oh, it was very satisfying to Jeff the player. Ash, Asher, the character, not, you know, bloodthirsty. Me, the player behind Asher, was ready to blow stuff up because I'm a monster. And that did happen. I thought that was this trip. Yeah. Yeah, that was. this was the one where Brixby is able to deactivate what we know as a hologram, holographic generator, and... We found uh, the understudies chamber and their prayer book and orc. What a, was it a pudding? It was some kind of weird uh, slurpy, slurpy boy. It was their garbage disposal that they kept <laughs> in a little hole. Let me see. What was it? Oh, is that what his purpose was? It was an advanced gray ooze <laughs> that they kept down in a hole and they would throw dead bodies and garbage and stuff in there and it would... Just eat everything other than glaucite, basically. Glaucite her. Now, see, that's one of those fun little things that the GM knows and the players have zero way of finding out without asking the GM. Yeah. Like, there's no way we would have known that thing was the garbage disposal. 
basket. There's also no way you would have known that it wouldn't have ever attacked you if you just threw it some food. Mm. That's actually kind of interesting. So if we had tossed like Malachi in there, it would have just eaten him and left us alone. Yeah, it would have been super happy. But all that XP, you know. Oh, true. <laughs> oh, that's got to be one of those. You get the XP as if you defeated it for solving the puzzle. That's like throwing a corpse at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unfortunately, in the moment, we didn't think about that. We just all readied actions for a year and a half while it slowly slurped its way out of a pit. <laughs> as one does. There would have been plenty of time to go upstairs, grab a, grab a half-orc, drag him back down. There honestly probably was. It was like four rounds of us going, <laughs> okay, is it at the top? Nope. It wasn't very fast. I mean, and the move speed on those things is probably like five feet. Yeah, probably. There's no way to verify. No? Nope. That's He's true. Like lost to the ages. As is required in the Open Gaming License version 1.0, uh, when you complete the book of an AP, you have to destroy it. You have to. Uh, you actually have to throw it into the nearest active volcano while quoting Lord of the Rings. It's it's literally in the OGL. Not that we've finished book two yet. Hoink. No, but anticipating <laughs> that happening in the future, we threw the book away. It's very proactive. <laughs> right after we finished episode 68, before we even recorded episode 69. Wow. Nice. We were really confident. Real impressive. <laughs> 69, nothing probably happened. So that's it, folks. No, I guess, you know, we did learn some stuff. We we found Kolkara's journals, her very artistic representations of the very capable four, <laughs> angry scribblings. And uh, we learned that uh, Hellion freed himself from some source with some heroic effort. And now destroying that source was his ultimate goal. And I guess at some point we left and came back because we fought the Chul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we just learned about the Chul. Yeah, we just yeah, learned saw about the, the Chul. And you were like, ah, oh, that yeah. seems nice. We're not going to have to fight yeah, that. Yeah, we're like, okay, let's not go anywhere mm. near that. Because <laughs> I wrote Chul, exclamation point, paralytic tentacles, force fortitude save, it's evil. Yeah, we got some very high rolls uh, staring at it across a bridge from like 120 feet away. <laughs> Something about the it's evil line really makes me suspicious when Sam says it seemed nice. Oh, yeah. being evil and being nice are not mutually exclusive. There's lots of nice evil things. Yeah, look at the mayor from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right? He's super nice. Which one? <laughs> Yeah, so nothing actually happened in, in 69? Nothing important? No. Uh, so Ed and Crowden here is the name of the app, I guess. It's not really memorable to me. I guess we fought Drake's the Edden, which will always, for me, be Brad Pitt from the movie. <laughs> what movie? That existed. <laughs> we can wait all night. Yeah, I know. Oh boy, this is good. Cricket sound effects here. I'm also blanking on the name. Snatch. <laughs> There it is. Right, and I know I made the joke in app, and I will continue to make the joke right after we recorded it, which is now. Uh, when it's like, you like Drakes? It's like, yeah, it's me, Drakes. Drakes is the the king of Scrapwell. Yeah, we uh, yeah. we we fought him, and we won. Yeah, no, we won fairly easily. Uh, definitely, nobody went down uh, fighting 
drags. Nobody else attempted to heroically rescue them, only to fail horribly and get their head bashed in. Uh, it went very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that so uh, that, that happened. Yeah. And all, all I really remember was that Kira was underneath Drags. Yeah. And Asher yeah. was hoping to like just find part of her elbow to do a lay on hands or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, but eventually we were able to get her up and uh yeah. yeah it 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 was a brutal combat i think we weren't expecting it to be as uh dangerous a combat as it was we started with there was a couple of just like random robots and we're like okay yeah we'll beat those up and then dregs and a couple of her orc buddies showed up from the other direction and we got pincered uh at which point kira made the decision to fight dregs kind of one-on-one <laughs> which could have gone incredibly well but the dice weren't having it kira ended up going down vargas made the decision to attempt to bladed dash in to uh try and take dregs out because we were pretty sure at that point that she was dregs is she was it she yeah or it's I guess it would they, be they because it's Annette and yeah, she's two, two women. heads. Yeah. But we were pretty sure they had uh, pretty low health by that point because Kira did get a few good licks in before going down. So I made the decision, you know what? I'm going to blade a dash in. It'll give me the movement to get next to Kira and help kind of protect her and draw aggro. And if I'm lucky, maybe I'll hit Dregs hard enough to uh, take her down. Uh, I missed... So I ended up in between her and an orc, and uh, then immediately got hit multiple times and went down. I decided uh, to use my once-a-day ability to lose one more hit point under what I was at the time. I believe I was at negative four. Lost that hit point, went to negative five to wake up for a round to get a single standard action, Used it to swing at the uh, orc that was next to me because I believe at that point Dregs had gone down herself, falling on top of unconscious Kira. So I'm like, well, the orc's right here. I'll take a swing at him and then go back unconscious like I've done, I think, probably three or four times by this point in the story. Whiffed on the swing and Sam did what makes sense from an in-story perspective that orc had no idea that that was something i could only do once as far as he knew uh vargas was just playing dead so he took his turn to coup de gras him uh <laughs> i ended up not even needing to roll on the con save because the damage he did took me below con by itself and uh vargas died yeah this was yeah I mean, this was a, a situation where, I mean, it was, you basically came right into the facility and then immediately opened a door that happened to be full of robots. But in the greater room that you were in when you entered the facility, there were enemies. So when the fighting starts, like, the book's not written, like, everybody comes rushing over. But obviously, you hear gunshots, you hear fighting, everybody's going to come rushing over. So... It wound up being a pincer attack, which, and with a lot of bodies, and it got crowded, and mm -hmm. yeah, at the end of it, Kira was down, and Vargas got CDG'd, and 
his head smashed and then Asher and Brixby were kind of backed up into that room you had initially opened and basically <laughs> using ranged attacks to try to finish the enemies off. It was pretty rough. I don't think it was super close to a TPK, but it didn't look great. And the thing is, like, uh, and it's probably why we went in kind of as half-cocked as we did, is it didn't seem like no part of it, like even after they showed up, I don't think literally until Kira went down was I worried that anything bad was going to happen. Like, the robots were taking a lot of hits, they had hardness, but they couldn't really do much damage. They had like a little zap melee, if I remember right. Like, that's all they could do that was doing like two points of damage. We'd already fought a bunch of these uh, orc cultists. We know they go down easy. The Etten we knew was going to be tougher, but we'd already taken out a troll. We'd taken out Kolgara pretty much until the Etten started dealing the damage that they dealt. <laughs> and I believe was... What was the weapon? It was something... It's a chain or something, yeah, right? Yeah, spike chains. Yeah, it was something with, like, really crazy reach. Was it yeah, spike chains? Yeah, they were spike chains, and because they have two heads, um, they don't get any two-weapon fighting penalties. It's like each head controls one of the weapons, mm -hmm. so... They were hitting pretty hard both times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't great. Surely the last time Sam would ever want to kill a player character. I, I feel really fortunate we got it out of our system. The rest of the party will live forever. Yeah, definitely. Definitely never going to happen yeah. again. It's true. Nope. I don't know why we're saying it like no, this. Vargas also <laughs> definitely stayed dead, and it was a horrible loss to the party. It really awful. Oh, was that in the, the same episode that... You actually um, gathered him up and, and made your way out of there? Or is that on to the next step? I remember that when it happened, it was like at the very end of one because I was like very hastily rewriting an existing scene to take place in the city <laughs> with him dead rather than somewhere else with him alive and sending it to Sam like piece by piece as I was writing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I don't remember if it was the end of that one or the end of the next one. Me neither. Yeah, I think 70 yeah. was actually, like, the end of the fight, and Vargas might have died in 70, or maybe he died at the end of 69, and then the f end of the fight was in 70. And, yeah, I think that's what yeah. it was. I think the fight finished up the next... Because I think him dying might have been what ended. Yeah, that, that was, was like you 69. going to bed. Was, yeah. And then Brixby and Asher finishing off, like, the last two robots in that was the beginning of 70. And then, yeah, Vargas <laughs> had to basically write a whole big yeah. thing. Because I had a scene written of, like, them eventually... I did have a thing written of, like, his mother coming and saying, like, hey, you're starting to get, like, priestly powers, because my idea was, like, at either level 7 or level 8, taking a multi-class into a divine caster and then having her show up and say okay come with me i have to train you how to do this and just being like a giant word that i just realized i don't <laughs> want to say on this. Uh, her being not the nicest person and basically forcing him to choose learning how to use his new powers or sticking with the group but so I, I sort of had something written, but I wasn't intending for it to happen with him uh, not alive. But since we had the scroll, like the first thing I thought after he went down was 
this would be perfect because him getting resurrected could be the excuse for why he now suddenly has these other abilities. So I was very hastily then rewriting her thing to have her show up in town because I already had her designed as she was an oracle. So she would know that like this was something that could happen with the way Paizo oracles work. Like they don't have perfect foreknowledge with Eridan gone, but they get like multiple choice futures basically. And she totally got along super, super well with the party, I think is the the main yeah. thing. It was, they all it was an her. instant friendship, uh, especially yeah. with Kira. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, Kira definitely didn't have to be talked down from attempting to fight her and her two uh, level twelve uh, <laughs> Kellen guards or anything. Mm-mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I, eventually, Vargas's mom kind of got back to down and forced to revive him right there, which she didn't want to do. And then I was happy because the scroll of resurrection was off the table. I don't have to worry about that anymore yeah. for all the upcoming death mm-hmm. and destruction. Just that uh, breath of life kit or whatever the heck it's called. Yeah. <laughs> trauma pack plus. Yeah, trauma pack plus. In the unlikely event. Is the ability of it called breath of life? Isn't there something with breath of life in the name of that? Yeah, I mean, I the Trauma Pack Plus, you could use five, all five uses and it'll do Breath of Life. Okay, that's what it is. Just another thing to add a couple more lines to the inventory that Asher keeps track of. He's going to have to have like some sort of quick release sheath on that thing for it to be worthwhile with the Breath of Life, because you only get around. Yeah, don't you have to use it like the turn that it happens or whatever? Yeah, that was my first thought was... Movement speed, no problem. Asher could rush over to Vargas within one round of him going down. And I could attempt the less than 50% chance of success heal check and fully expend this consumable. But because it wasn't dangling around his neck or something, it uh, wasn't going to be possible. If only there were a version of Pathfinder where you get three actions per turn that you can spend for anything. Move, interact combat yeah but unfortunately no such thing exists so no where tools for a healer could be considered worn basically at all times that'd be something Uh, that would never work be incredible there's some form of medicine (laughs) you could do in battle it'd it'd never catch on check out 2e everybody it's a great system (laughs) it is and we and we heart it and pf1 yeah no they're both good in their own way Hey, you. Yeah, you, Jimmy Fang. Guess what we've got down at the old Scrapmasters Arena? The brand newest sport. The best sport. Jimmy Fang. Jimmy Fang presents the newest and best sport in the history of all time. Kite fights. They're kites. They fight. Jimmy Fang. You've got to keep this a secret. The powers that be don't want Jimmy Fang to tell you about kites fighting each other. They don't want you to bet money and get rich, Jimmy Fame, on these floaty, flashy, floofy friends. But they're not going to stop us. We're going to show them, eh? My new best friend, Popsy Longnose, says this is all the rage back where they come from. And they're on the run from the law. Jimmy Fame. 
Together, we're going to hold the sporting event of the century. I've got all Scrapwall's best lined up, Jimmy Fame, and they're all ready to lose giant piles of money by betting against you, my friend. Jimmy Fame knows you know what's up. You want to talk details? Jimmy Fame's got details. In one corner, we're going to have the Lady Tatterface herself, straight out of the underground, Jimmy Fame. She's got this kite. It's painted black. It's got spikes. It's terrifying, Jimmy Fame. And then over in the other corner, Whiskey Fist. His kite, it shoots like there's a crossbow in there somehow. How do they come up with this stuff, Jimmy Fame? What Uncle Larian is this? Oh, hello, Jimmy Fame. Are you a cop? You have to tell Jimmy Fame if you're a cop. I am not a cop. I am a servant of the Lady of Graves. Who are you? Jimmy Fame is Jimmy Fame. I Jimmy Fame. Well, Jimmy Fame, Jimmy Fame, might understand that you're attempting to start a betting ring based on spectators watching two constructs attempt to destroy one another. Maybe. Well, are there going to be explosions? Jimmy Fame can neither confirm nor deny the presence of explosions. There should be explosions. People love explosions. So you're not here to arrest me for my secret underground betting and sports ring that I assume is a crime for some reason, Jimmy Fame? On the contrary, I would like to buy a stake. I have many ideas on how to improve upon your concept. For instance, how do you feel about corpses? So as a friendly reminder, if you have burning questions for us, you can submit those on our Discord on the channel Machine Learning Questions. But please note that that burning persists for more than two hours. You should consult a medical professional. The most important question that I see isn't even pinned, which is a real tragedy, but... Corey Omnomnom PB Eminem's Good asks, are the folks in legal your cats, Sam? Um, the folks in legal have advised me not to comment on that. Now, the folks in legal are a mysterious and nebulous entity, much like the hooded figures from Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, we would advise you not to look directly at them, not to address them, and um, never to disregard any of their advice to think of them uh, making my second buffy verse reference of the episode i like to think of them as like the senior partners from wolfram and hart from angel <laughs> yeah. yes yeah. station management and welcome yeah. to night vale very similar that that's what i was thinking of the station management they just slipped notes under the door <laughs> yeah okay i mean I, I think the rest of the questions are yeah, we got the juicy yeah, one they can just wait we got we got all the hot goss and I will also say before we answer more that while uh, the true identities of the folks in legal are not known, I did slip one past Sam and make my sister's cat Remy our uh, head of R&D. So that does exist. That really explains some of the emails I've been getting. <laughs> Just clips of Dr. Evil from Austin Powers singing the Meow Mix song. Okay, we'll, we'll answer some more. Uh, well, Machinany, Machinany? MG asks, you get to add a spell to Pathfinder that doesn't exist yet officially. What is it? 
A spell that doesn't exist yet officially. You want to go first, Sam? Will I think of one or do you also have to think of one? Um, I might also have to think of one. Let's see. I think probably some kind of transmutation spell where um, you... It, like a Baleful Polymorph, but it's like a Baleful Tubomorph where you render someone in the consistency of yogurt. They basically become a slime. So, you know, they... And they get a will save to see if they retain their intelligence as a as a slime, so they can slurp around. The fortitude save to see what flavor they are. Oh, baleful <laughs> ooze morph. You know, there's one though. I think something similar might actually exist because I know there is a uh, ability to do the opposite of this. But there's one that I thought of that's less of a an individual spell and more of just like a. Uh, like my idea for it was more of like kind of like an artifact type thing, but basically an item that is used obviously by like a more kind of bossy character or a bad guy than a player, but an item that you basically transfer damage taken to others. And I know there's like, because there's like a paladin ability where like when one of your allies gets hit, you can take the damage yourself. Sort of kind of the opposite of that. Like you just kind of voodoo doll somebody and when you get hit, they take the damage. <laughs> Pass it on to your minions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like lifelink, yeah. but like the idea, <laughs> yeah, Like it goes from a uh, thing I thought before when I was making up like ideas for bosses for like campaigns and stuff that are more kind of puzzly. And it was be one that like has some kind of object on him that's subtly changing as he gets hit and it's showing like how many minions he's got left in another room taking the damage for him before he has to either run or start getting hurt himself or it could just be like the bits next to lavos and chrono trigger and the, the one of them just always heals him Ugh, left so bit. irritating chrono trigger spoilers new game plus is so wild you just start the game and within like five minutes you can go fight lavos again it's still tough though because you only have two characters <laughs> oh it's awful don't do it but it's just crazy that they give you the option. But the ending's so good, though. Oh, man. What spell would I make? I mean, <laughs> probably something cool. All the cool ones are already made, so it would have to be something just fun, I guess. Like, something I could edit in later. <laughs> I don't know. Something like Summon Kazoo Swarm, <laughs> where you can summon a swarm, but it just does sonic damage, and it's a whole bunch of kazoos. And they're tiny so you know can't physical damage them and it's just it's just a lot you're like unless you unless you are an alumnus of humboldt state university you take so much damage well if you use drench on them the little paper inside will get wet and then all right i think that went really well one of our better question and answers i'm not cutting any of the awkward pauses on this by the way (laughs) no no i don't know we've got to pad the app too fast for the recap then uh huh i do like this one's been around for ages thanks for waiting bellandora the very capable four have a game night which game is your character and whichever npc sam chooses bringing what would vargas bring to a game night i think he would bring cribbage (laughs) he would bring cribbage deck of cards little pegboard and no one else would want to play it because nobody ever wants to play cribbage that isn't under the age or about 65 yeah which by the way Vargas is 50 and i it's rubbing off on me i'm getting stockholm into imagining him being an old man because everybody else does it yeah but galarian 50 is like (laughs) earth 110 true 
So what game would Asher bring to this world that's definitely not ending? The first thing that kind of came to mind was Backgammon, just because I could see, for whatever reason, that just being something, you know, you throw in your saddlebags of your horse, and then you could keep these little... I could totally see him having one of those boards that's like the like a roll-up mat one that's a checkerboard on one side and a backgammon board on the other. Mm, that's efficient. Oh, I was thinking the the flip open kind yes. of briefcase. That's what I envisioned. Yeah. It's also the the kind that we have in my home. I'm thinking of those ones where the backgammon chips become the uh, checkers pieces and you just flip the board over. That's too efficient. Yeah, I was trying to think of some clever game that involves truth and punishment for deceit, but... He just carries a secret Hitler Nothing deck. Nothing really came to mind. Or what would the Galarian version be? Would it be like a secret Tarbafon? Tarbafon. Secret Red Mantis Assassin. <laughs> secret Thrun. Secret Nork Orbert. Oh, no. Because <laughs> you never know. That's the thing. That's true. Well, what NPC would be most likely to attend this game night, Sam, and what would they bring? See, I, th- I had to think long and hard about this one. And for those at home, we took like a half hour break in between because I had a whole like chart going on the wall with all the red string and stuff. But I settled on Clarence being number one, the most likely to attend this game night. And I think that the game that Clarence would bring is Tetherball. Pole and all, he would show up in your living room with a 10 foot tall aluminum pole. With a ball, <laughs> a string attached to it. Well, we know he's good at and, um, uh, flailing at small objects, flying at him in circles. So tetherball definitely. Yeah, that's that's his entire mo, yeah. right there. So he just punched that ball. I just imagined as soon as you said Clarence, like well, first agreed, but also whether or not he wanted to attend the game night, he'd be like, guys, I'm supposed to be on watch tonight, and Brixby's like, no, no, it's fine. We're just gonna play some games and just. You don't think I'm going to get in trouble? No, no, no. It'll be fine. Sephiroth is going to be mad. So Malinoria asks us, what is your favorite mundane, non-magical, non-space tech? To clarify, item. Minor alchemical items like a tangle burn bag and itching powder are included in the potential answers to this question. I'm like, I only like magic (laughs) items. There you go. I only like high-tech items. All the other items are stupid. Got them. I will say uh, the example they gave, Tanglefoot Bag, that is always a fun little item to grab if you have a little extra gold left at character creation just because it's so fun. That and Tangle Burn Bag also is a fun one if you have the gold for it. It's never one that I think I've bought like during a campaign, but like at the start and you're making a character, if you have like, oh, I have three gold left over, what can I get with this? It's like, oh, I have a bag that I can throw at somebody and it ties their feet together and lights them on fire. That is fun. I think that, I mean, stuff like tools, like Mm -hmm. a crowbar that just gives you a plus one or whatever it is to open doors and stuff is much more useful than your average mundane item. Rope, of course, never comes in handy. Nope. Nope. It's just money, basically. But I think the thing that takes the cake is probably the adamantine wire saw, which can just cut through anything. Man. You know, it's a saw that can cut through anything with hardness up to 20. That is a useful little item. And it's just like a little coping mm-hmm. saw. I was going to say, that's a useful thing to have even in like real life, just like one of those little wire, wrapping around wire saws. Yeah, I would love to have one that doesn't break every time yeah. you use it. I was going to say, the real ones are not uh, made out of adamantine, <laughs> unfortunately. They're made out of like, apparently they were just been making them out of tin and saying it's steel, uh, <laughs> my experience, but 
Yeah, they're made out of junk. Ugh, the nerve. If this was second edition, I would say the high-grade mithril waffle iron. (laughs) Because I have a special attachment to it from a short, from a game that I had to bow out of, of Night of the Great Death. When there's an opportunity, the following is a non-plot relevant spoiler for Night of the Great Death. A second edition module. Early in this adventure, you get an opportunity to pick whatever level, I don't remember, 15 or 16 item that you want. Literally anything that's at least common, maybe uncommon even, I don't remember. And uh, one of the one of the players, Tyler, GM of Ben Maxed, couldn't think of any ad- magical item or otherwise that he wanted, so he just saw this is an option. I want this comically expensive, high-grade mithril waffle iron. <laughs> and it became just like a featured item, really central to our party. But in first edition, I had no idea, and so I was definitely not looking through Archives of Nethys and discovered that... One, there's something you can do in the rules of the game that is a kite battle. (laughs) That's new to me. And I learned that from the terror kite. T-E-R-R-O-R. Terror (laughs) kite. This 20 gold piece entertainment item. Usually painted with a fierce face and bright colors and edged with serrated wooden blades. Whoa. So is this basically like and flying battle bots? Like you just have two kites and you're just smacking them against each other in a high wind? Participants in a kite battle, again, a thing that exists, uh, make alternating sunder combat maneuvers against each other's kites. And each successful <laughs> maneuver allows a competitor to roll a d6 point of damage against the opponent's kite. Oh, man. If you reduce a kite to zero hit points, it's broken or its string is cut and they lose. But there's more. You can, in some matches, points are awarded for touching the kite's top to the opponent's string because we really needed to add more axes to combats for kite yeah. battles. And yeah, some of those those interested in kite fighting, and we know you're out there, you might select the terror kite as a weapon for the purposes of feats such as weapon focus and weapon specialization. Well, what I'm wondering now, because <laughs> you can use the terror kite as a weapon yeah, too. You can. I know uh, some other, like, obscure things that Paisa likes to add in are, like, real-world things. So now I'm wondering if this is based off, like, some actual, like, battle thing that, like, some culture does or another in real life. And I'm I'm definitely going to be Googling that when (laughs) we're done recording to see if it's a real thing. Because it sounds like it could be. And Paisa has done that before where they've taken, like, real obscure things and, like, made them things in the game. I just want to be a fly on the wall when someone shows up deadly serious to a Pathfinder Society game for first edition, if they're still out there, and they just bring this build that is just totally focused on kite battles, and they're constantly trying to get other people to like, well, let's just, let's just duel this with kites. Like, no, what are you even talking about? That old kite buh. And then, (laughs) and then, yeah, you just come on, you just roll in the battle swinging a kite at people you know who'd be pretty good at that joram kite hey <laughs> well whoo it's a good thing we we do these all the time it hasn't been a long time since we've done one and because uh, if we did it'd be awkward but thank you for joining us on this machine learning adventure you asked me for a <laughs> sign off and this is as good as it gets keep that silence in um <laughs> bye everybody uh. Good night, Jeff. Goodbye, everybody. Go to bed, scrappers. <laughs> Unless you're, like, driving or at work. You know, at the appropriate nope, time. Even then, you choose to. 
You're in control of your own sleep cycle. I disagree with the other two hosts. Whatever you're doing right now, stop it and go to bed. Oh, the folks in legal who are definitely not cats are going to have a field day with that one. Can you imagine how old you would feel if there was an apocalypse every six months? Oh, no. (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) Yeah, that's awful. The downer. Imagine having myself say, Why did you do this to us, (laughs) Bellandora? I feel like we now have our middle of the episode bit, and then it's going to make no sense until we get to this. Because it'll be before this. Yeah, no, we need, like, people just yeah. will hear a kite fight, and they'll be like, what was that? That can't be real. Well, I'm not thinking of an actual kite fight. I'm thinking of, we need to do, like, when we did the uh, monster truck rally thing for uh, <laughs> Father Radley's robot fight arena. Like, with the same level of excitement, but for the uh, <laughs> torch kite competition. Ooh, clockwork kite. <laughs> torch kite fight night. Yeah, clockwork kite fight night. Oh yeah, held in the arena. <laughs> I'm very excited about this kite battle game. The most important mini game that we're going to introduce to a system that's no longer supported. Oh my god, Sam! I actually need you now to cut a commercial of like Colgar or somebody advertising <laughs> the Friday night kite fight. <laughs> Friday night kite fights. Oh, this is going to be glorious. The wheels are turning. It's going to be one of the commercials yes. we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Boop. that was all the recap right yeah that gets us through episode yeah. 70 i need to let you host more often you are so much quicker at getting to the point of that than i am i've rambled too much like i feel like i rushed it helps when you have when you don't remember anything <laughs> from the episodes because you recorded them a year ago yeah <laughs> just rush on through without remembering stuff and only have <laughs> that helps three too. people present you know, it's a good way to do it, though, because then we talk about the stuff like that we do remember, which is probably the more important stuff, like the bigger things that people want to hear our opinions on. Yeah, because I wrote all of five words about the combat that killed Vargas. Observer robots. <laughs> Drags the Etten. That's it. So I wrote down what was important. Boop. My bonce is yampy. <laughs> <laughs>